Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. Yes, Will, and as always, it's great to be with you. Talking now a day after the World Series is over. Yes, uh... The World Series was exciting for being a seven-game World Series. The seventh game itself was a little bit lackluster. Well, that's true, but on the other hand, what was it? Games two and game five were two of the most exciting um, World Series games ever played, probably. Yeah, and game six was kind of fun with a late comeback and all that, but... Seven was a and, dud. And so were some of the. It, it was it was an excellent World Series. It, it ranks yeah. up there. And yeah. we should note that former Braves uh, Brian McCann and Charlie Morton were the battery on the final out, and that well, Evan Gaddis won a World Series, which, considering his backstory, is fantastic. It, that's one reason I was pulling for Houston. I, the former Braves and McCann's probably my favorite Brave over the last ten or fifteen years. Um, and Gaddis, what a great story! I enjoyed him. Never gave that much thought to Charlie Morton, but anyway, all these former Braves, uh, that was that was worth something. Um, Charlie well, Morton to Brian McCann, I have no doubt that you know Charlie Morton was a rookie back in 08. McCann was probably his catcher. Yes, uh, in fact, I know he was, because that was the last time he had a relief appearance before Wednesday night. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Charlie Morton is throwing a spitball. I'm just saying that right here. That's a thing. He's also throwing a fastball in the upper 90s. Um, yeah, did he get I new ligaments or something? I don't know what the something? lesson there is. The Braves have all these young pitchers, and sometimes, I guess if you're patient enough, like for 10 or 12 years, they, they become good. But Charlie Morton always had potential and never seemed to live up to it. But so what you're saying is, somebody like that. in nine years, Lucas Sims will be closing out a World Series for another Exactly. That, that, that's right. a pretty good comp. Things to look forward to, Braves fans. Yep. For uh, somebody else. <laughs> Uh, the other kind of pressing news is that means that free agents are officially declared and the Braves uh, no longer have the services of R.A. Dickey, Jason Mott, or Ian Kroll. Kroll was actually DFA'd and refused the assignment, so he's officially a free agent now. Although that yeah, was in and, the works. And Dickey, you know, that news, had, the Braves had an option on him that they didn't exercise, so that was clearly coming in. I think everybody's assuming Dickey's retired. I guess he hadn't made the announcement, but I assume he's yeah, not really on the free agent market. It. Uh, and then otherwise in Arizona, Ronald Acuna is continuing to be the best hitter who has not played in the majors. It's, it's, you don't want to get too excited about Arizona Fall League. Having said that, man, I'm excited (laughs) that the three home run leaders in the league are Alex Jackson and Acuna and Austin Riley and Max Reed's pitching well. I know not everybody is, but I mean, give, give me that. I'm, I'm going to enjoy that for now. Yeah, so that's fun, uh, but not a whole lot of news for the Braves because the big news we're waiting on is still to come. At some point in the next week is the rumor, you know, we'll hear yeah, whether the Braves get massive They were always going to announce after the World Series whatever penalty the Braves get for their cheating that led to Capoella's resignation or firing or whatever it was, um, but it wasn't going to be immediately after the World Series, they have MLB is going to give it a few days, but yeah, you're right. By the time we record again in a week, probably a real good chance that we'll we'll be talking about whatever uh, sanctions the Braves get. I mean, my guess but is. But I'm glad we're not talking about it now. Yes, my guess is it will happen right after we post next week's episode. 
Well, that'd be all right too. We, <laughs> we got plenty of time to talk about it. Um, I'm in no hurry. We are continuing our stroll through the greatest players in Braves history, and we are nearing the time when I think you were most excited for this entire project. We are talking about the greatest brave in history, one of the great players of all time, one of the great people in the history of baseball, Henry Lewis Aaron. Absolutely. I have been excited about it. He is, of course, the greatest brave of all time. Um, He's also always been my favorite player, at least since I was 10 years old and the Braves came to Atlanta. Um, He was their best player then. Um, I've loved the guy ever since. Uh, You're right, not just a great player, but a great human being. Um, And We'll talk about his career and one of the most remarkable careers ever. So, yeah, I've been excited to talk about Mr. Aaron. And perhaps Braves fans actually take Hank Aaron for granted on a certain level in that we don't stop and consider he is in rarefied air because we know him, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that, that may be true. And that, that's, I mean, ever since I first heard of Hank Aaron, in any detail once they announced the Braves were coming to Atlanta and I really focused on him um the thing everybody always said then was you know he's he's probably the most underrated great player in baseball um and that was really that's what they always said about him and it, it was largely because you know um he lived in an era he played at the same time as Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle there were a lot of other great flashy players in the league Roberto Clemente playing right field for the Pirates and you know, Frank Robinson came along. There there were a lot of great players mm-hmm. in his era. Um, in so many ways, he was better than all of them. But he, very few people ever thought, well, he's just the greatest player living right now. Um, and yet, um, well, we'll talk about it. But he was, he was always kind of underrated um, in his career. And even once he became the home run king, uh, which was sort of surprising at the end of his career, if you'd followed it, that he's the guy who would end up doing that. Um I mean, that, that obviously, that, that got him more attention than anything ever had before. Um, and but it, in some ways, being the home run king um, obscures all the other great things the guy did in his long career. Well, what I remember, because I am just the right age to remember baseball encyclopedias, but only as a thing of my childhood, right? is he was at the top of every single leaderboard. And this was not a pre-Bill James. Well, in fact, he was the first entry in the baseball encyclopedia. (laughs) Right, until David Ardsma. Now, if you want to find one, it would be David Ardsma. But but for all those years you're Mm -hmm. talking about, of all the thousands of people that played Major League Baseball, alphabetically he came first. But here are his current listings, and a few of these obviously got pipped since the time I'm talking about it. In total bases, in runs batted in, he is first all time yep. in baseball history. And also extra base hits, now that I see it. I'm not looking at the page well. But, like, those are pretty important categories. <laughs> right. And we're not talking, I mean, as much as RBI is overrated, if consistently in your career you're able to hit over 100 every season, you have to I, be I a good a hitter consistently. Early on in Atlanta, so well, my goal every year is that I feel like if I can drive in a hundred and, and score a hundred every year, I'm I'm holding up my end of the bargain. And if you look, he did that virtually every single year, which is and again, maybe there we now know there are other stats maybe that show how valuable you are, but in the context of his day, 
a guy who would both score a hundred and drive. Well, in I'm getting to those other stats. Year. He uh, obviously we know he's second in home runs now behind Barry Bonds, but he was the home run king when he retired. Yeah, uh, he is the uh, 14th in singles, 11th in doubles. In runs scored, he is fourth all time. In hits, he is third all time. This is a heck of a player. Of course. And now let's get to some advanced metrics, shall we? Let's do. Among uh, wins above replacement for all players, he is seventh in career total, according to baseball reference. He is fifth among position players with 142.6. Who's ahead of him? You happen to have that handy? I can click to it. Yeah. Uh, he is fifth in offensive wins above replacement. In uh, various sort of more counting stats, in runs created, he is fourth all time. In adjusted batting runs, he is seventh all time. In adjusted batting wins, he is sixth. Uh, this is a legend. This is a guy that well, just crushed the ball. It's the counting stats where he really stands out, as you say, leading all-time and total bases and RBI, um, extra base hits. Um, Although and, he and led the league the reason, in total bases consistently. Yeah. That's the, 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 longev- yeah the longevity. Um, and it's not just that he played a long time. He came up as a 20-year-old, and his last season was as a 42-year-old. But he, he wasn't just a guy who played a long time. He was consistently great right through his age 40 season. Um, it's really pretty phenomenal to see um, that somebody could be that good. Several of his very best years ever were in his late 30s. Um, and, and, and he never had an off year. I mean, if you look at, um, say, for example, his OPS plus year after year after year, he's at least 150 almost every year. Some years mm-hmm. he's pushing 200. Uh, but he never has a year where he's down around 110 or 120. He is just consistently uh, one of the best, very best players in the league for 20 straight years. And you were asking me in career wins above replacement. Again, this is baseball references model. It's Ruth, Bonds, Mays, Cobb, Aaron, Tris Speaker, Honus Wagner, Stan Musial, Rogers Hornsby, Eddie Collins as your top 10. Pretty good company. Um, Ted um, Williams, I'm assuming, is 11th because he never cared about defense. Right. Uh, anyway. And but, Williams, anyway, he missed the years. Um, sure. But also, I assume he's behind Hornsby and Collins because right. he didn't care about defense, and those are infielders. That's true. But yeah. all those guys I just mentioned had extremely long careers. Right. And consistently long careers. And it's about a dozen of them. I mean, there's A-Rod, Lou Gehrig, Ricky Henderson, Mickey Mantle. Uh, Mel Ott, Nap Lajouet, Joe Morgan, Mike Schmidt, uh, Frank Robinson are the rest of your top 20. Yeah, I'd take any of them. Right, but what I'm saying is... But among that group, this doesn't happen anybody much. was ever as consistently great as Aaron. He never had an off year. That's what I loved about yeah. him more than anything. Um, you look at his numbers just year after year, it's just incredible how consistently great. It's not just that he was kind of the same player every year. You said that about Nick Marcakis, for example. Yeah. Um, it, Aaron was consistently a great player every single year. And you, it's, it's 
just hard to imagine you could just count on that kind of production out of one guy for 20 years, but he did it over and over again. And as you already mentioned, he came up at the age of 20 and he played until he was 42. And very few guys do that. Very few people are the best hitter in baseball, arguably, for the vast majority of that. And what's interesting, actually, about his career, he was born in Mobile, Alabama, and grew up just outside. And he played on semi-pro teams and then a sort of partially organized Mobile Black Bears Negro League team in high school. Very famously, uh, he grew up hitting essentially with a cross-handed grip. His left hand was on top of his right hand. Yeah, until he became a pro. Right. Apparently that's the way he had always hit. I've never actually seen anybody do that. I mean, I can't even think of how it works. But I can't either. He developed it because he basically was one of these kids who was always playing baseball. Despite growing up in a poor family, he would make his own baseballs and use sticks that he found to hit with. And that developed a sort of killer hand-eye coordination as well as incredible forearm strength i think people always said and i think he he would say that you know he he was the best wrist hitter ever oh, really yeah. meaning forearm um and you know growing up a cross-handed hitter somehow maybe that helped him develop his wrist strength or maybe just because he had such great wrists he was able to hit cross-hand when nobody else could um but yes he he would snap those wrists going i, I can picture a swing really well um wasn't as much weight transfer uh, he would often even hit off of his front foot, but he would snap that bat through the zone with those wrists uh, and generate tremendous bat speed and power. See, I remember the Hank Aaron of the last yeah. third of his career, really, um, from 1966 on when I saw him all the time. Uh, and he was a very different player there in his mid to late 30s than he had been uh, in his early 20s, even though I'm saying he was just so consistent you know, for his whole career. And that's true uh, in terms of his total numbers and his counting stats. Uh, as a young guy, you know, he, he hit the ball to all fields. He just hit screaming line drives everywhere um, and hit the ball where it was pitched. That's what everybody always said. I don't remember seeing it. By the time I watched him in the late 60s and early 70s, he was a dead pull hitter. <laughs> um, and he, he, if, they, if they had played the shift regularly, they really would have shifted on him all the time because that's what he did. Um, he, they also said he used to say he was a guess hitter, uh, meaning that he would always look for a certain kind of pitch, and if he got it, he would pounce on it, and and if he did, he rarely missed it. But you know what makes you a better guess hitter is if you know enough about the pitchers to know that a guy always starts with a fastball low and away, right? Or oh yeah, well, likes to throw a curve on a certain count. Very smart hitter, great memory. I mean, he knew what different pitchers threw. Um, so and he was ready. You for were them. talking about his swing. Braves fans your age will have the memory of the older Aaron, and in fact, any Braves fans should have a memory of the swing that hit number seven fifteen. But right. if you look at pictures of him, like in the Milwaukee World Series in fifty seven and fifty eight, when he was twenty three and twenty four, that I think something about the way he grew up playing had to have affected his swing. It's almost like he's stamping his left foot as a right-handed batter into the ground like he's planting a stake with it. Like he's got to put something hard in the ground. And then that's sort of before his body turns, and he just slashes at the ball and takes off Which which anybody would tell you that's not the way to hit a baseball. 
you know, you, you don't shift the weight until the bat's coming through the zone. Uh, you got to keep your weight back. And that's why a lot of people try to have that left leg kick so they don't plant it too soon timing. Um, I, I was such a Hank Aaron fan that I think consciously or unconsciously, I, I tried to sort of hit like Aaron when I was coming along. Um, and you know, that doesn't work for ordinary human beings. You end up with too much weight on your front foot. You try to snap the bat through the zone and yeah. two problems there. And the bat's not quick enough for most of us to get through it. And even if it is, you don't generate enough power to be a good hitter because it's the weight transfer that generates power for most people. Um, Aaron somehow managed to hit the ball very hard without doing that as much. I just want to note that I inherited your athletic capabilities, and there's no way you could have ever hit one. Well, I'm sorry, son. It doesn't matter. It goes sometimes. But um, that you hit like Hank Aaron. But your point holds. It's an odd way. You wouldn't have been taught that way. Right. And he was obviously one of the best players around Mobile. And he got signed as one of the last Negro League players, really, as a young man in 1952 with the Indianapolis Clowns, still one of the great names of all time. Right. Uh, and he played there for just one season and he was instantly noted by, uh, major league scouts. Uh, he was also an infielder, right? Wasn't he yes. playing second base? And then? what they wanted was this athletic, young, powerful, right-handed hitter who at that time was a shortstop, but I think no one thought he'd stay at short. They thought he might be able to become a second baseman. And he got offers from two Major League Baseball teams. Do you know this? No. The other team than the Braves was the New York Giants. Really? The Giants yeah. could have had Willie Mays in center and Hank Aaron in right field for like 20 years. And then later they came up with a ton of great outfielders and power hitters. Um, well, yeah, so they, 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 they had plenty it. of great ones as it was, the Giants did. But, but yeah. Two, two of the very greats of mm -hmm. all time that, that are almost contemporaries. Willie Mays is also from Alabama yep. um, and just, what, two or three years older than Aaron. He had, yep. By the time you're talking about, he was he had already made it to the major leagues. Um, yeah, that's, that's just incredible to think about, isn't it? But thankfully for all Braves fans, Aaron decided to take the Braves contract, which gave him $50 a month on top of what the Giants had offered. Uh, so he ended up going to the Braves affiliate in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, as part of the Eau Claire Bears, in which he then proceeded to destroy the ball, uh, as he would consistently. He hit 336. We have limited stats, but in 87 games as an 18-year-old in what was then Class C, he hit nine home runs, four triples, and 19 doubles as an infielder. He was a prospect. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of I mean, Ronald Acuna of his day. And so he got moved up to what was the South Atlantic League. It was called A-Ball then, but that's basically A-Ball as it is today. Yeah. And right. um, at Jacksonville, he hit 362 with 22 home runs, 14 triples, and 36 doubles in 137 games. And the story I found is yeah. that offseason, he went to play uh, winter ball in Puerto Rico and was hitting well again and was transferred to the outfielder as an outfield to be an outfielder by Mickey Owen, his manager. I did not know that either. I, I wasn't sure how he and became an outfielder after starting as an infielder. It's unclear exactly when he decided to switch his grip, but it seems like he might have still occasionally not noticed by that point. 
No, I don't know. And redid you know, his speaking of Grip, one thing I remember Aaron saying was, you know, he always should. He, he always thought he should have tried to be a switch hitter, since he was holding the bat like a left-handed hitter and he started anyway. But he he never really tried it. Um, I don't think it would have made him been better. Any better than he was. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not sure why uh, it would have mattered. But here's the other part of the story of the winter between 53 and 54 seasons. The Braves convinced him not to come up for the draft because they said, no, we are going to make him integrate the Southern Association with our farm team, the Atlanta Crackers. Aaron would have integrated Atlanta baseball, except the spring of 1954, he hit too well. They couldn't have sent him out. So they called him up directly to the big club. Mm -hmm. And so in 1920, he was a rookie. As 20 years old in 1954, he was a rookie. I can't speak. Yeah. All those phenomenal stats you're talking about was an 18 and 19 year old. And by, by the time he turns 20, yeah. uh, he starts the year in the major leagues, never to return, right? And he was a good hitter. Uh, he hit 280, 322, 447 triple slash numbers on the year in 509 plate appearances, which considering what he'd go on rookie. to do. Eh. Right. But I mean, that's a 20 year old rookie holding his own that's pretty good with a team that as we've talked about before had just moved to milwaukee was really good and starting to come together and he planted himself in the middle of that lineup with the next year um there are some seasons to pick out for aaron but by the very next year he gets his ops up over 900 mm-hmm. i'm looking at baseball reference myself and he by his 21 year old season he hits his triple slash is 314, 366, 540, um, and he leads the league in the doubles. Um, he's doing great. Anyway, his his OPS is over 900. It remains over 900 every single season uh, until the first year in Atlanta. It's only 895, and then it was still over 900 every year except for the 68 year where nobody hit anything, and it yeah. was still 852. And even until he was age 39, he had an OPS of 1.045. And, and, I'm, and, and again, he just did that every single year, somewhere between 900 and 1,000. That's what he did. I mean, he'd OPS. bat 323, 30-something. Sometimes he'd get a little bit higher, a little bit lower. He'd yeah. walk about 60 times a year. He'd hit between... 35 and 45 home runs. He His doubles numbers not, were not 45, actually. Um, yes. He hit, yeah, he did one year. He hit 45 and 62. He hit 44, <laughs> um, what was it, four other times. Uh, finally, actually, at his age 37 season, he had his all-time um, high in home runs at 47. But, yeah, he would average about 40 home runs a year between 35 and 40. He'd get about, um, that, of course, is how you get to 700, yeah. hit 35 home runs a year for 20 years. He would get about 190 hits. As we already mentioned, he would score well over 100 runs and knock in well over 100. He would get 20 something stolen bases, although not great percentages. He was being sent too much by his managers. Yeah, that was a problem back then. And, but it's did. it's interesting that Actually, he just did this. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. I think you weren't looking at the columns right. Um, and once he got going, by, by 1963, maybe he'd learned um, yeah. 31 steals, 5 caught stealing, 22 steals, 4 caught stealing, 24, 4 caught, 21, 3 caught. Uh, even by 68, when he's 34 years old, he had 28 stolen bases and only 5 caught. 
Um, it took him a while to catch on. It looks yeah. like to, to what he needed to do, but that's the way Aaron was. He, he would, he did everything well. Um, he didn't walk quite as much as you'd want to be to be, you know, one of a really elite player. Like, um, but, but I, w- I wouldn't criticize him for that either. He, he got a he was on base plenty yeah and uh he was one of the better right fielders in the game he probably oh, that's the other thing could have been yes. a center fielder although he did play some center field in fact in his career never regularly yeah but they, they never hesitated to put him in center field if they just needed somebody out there he, he could do it quite well without embarrassing himself and in he, fact uh, most he played more games at center field than any other position in 61 and 62. Although it was still kind of a timeshare, uh-huh. right? I mean, he wasn't really he, he, a center he fielder. He was a good center fielder. He was an excellent right fielder. Um, when I remember watching, everybody thought Roberto Clemente was the best right fielder in the game defensively, and maybe he was. Clemente had a cannon of an arm. Um, but Aaron, but the, the thing about Aaron that, that I remember so well and, and is – he did everything with such an easy grace out there. He never seemed like he was in a hurry. Um, Willie Mays was famous for, you know, his hat flying off uh, as he ran around. Um, and Clemente would, would he always seem like he was rushing around from place to place. And, and Aaron was cool. He was so much cooler than those guys. Um, he, he, he played hard. He, he seemed to get to every ball, but he never seemed to be, you know, panicked about it. And he also kind of started as a right fielder because the Braves had Bill Bruton. Well, right. They had a pretty good center fielder anyway. Um, but Aaron just did everything well. And the actual numbers with some of these years are kind of unreal. His 1959, which was overall a disappointing season for the Braves. We talked about in our Warren Spawn episode two weeks ago that the pitching staff was probably not handled well. But Aaron hit 355. They were still the best team in the league, and they managed, you know, to tie the Dodgers and lose in a playoff. But yeah, what Aaron, did he do that? Aaron year? hit 355 while doing everything else he normally did anyway. Um, right. He actually caught was caught stealing zero times that year, which is fun, but only stole eight bases. But 39 home runs, seven triples, 46 doubles, and again, while hitting 355. So. His slugging was 636. He walked 51 times for a 401 on base percentage. And he had 400 total bases, which is a crazy number. <laughs> right. Um, 116 runs, which shows that whoever was behind him was not doing their job. And knocked right. in 123. And, you know, that isn't far off from his other numbers. That's clearly yeah, his the, best season. That batting average was unusually high for him, but the rest of it's just pretty much what he did every year. Yeah. Um, he led the league in doubles four times. He led the league in home runs four times, RBIs four times, runs three times, batting average twice. Uh, total bases seven, no, eight times. That was the number that right. was his biggest. He just was out there every day, too. He's playing 150 games all these seasons. Oh, that, that's that's the other striking thing if you look at it. His games played every year, it, he averaged more than 150 every year. Some years he was right at 160. Pretty much every year he's over 150. Um, and, I mean, the 162-game schedule hurt. is introduced midway right. through his career. 
Oh, right. I forgot about that. Um, oh, yeah. When I'm, when I'm seeing 153, yeah. 153, 154, he's playing every day. Yep. Right. Literally every day. <laughs> right. Uh, he was the MVP in 1957. As we mentioned, the Braves were disappointing in 1959, so sports writers weren't going to give him that MVP. But he was right. in the top 10 every year. He won yeah. uh, Gold Glove three times. He was an All-Star 20 times. Uh, oh, no, 21 times. 20 times in the National League and somehow in Milwaukee as an American League player. He went to an All-Star game. That was dumb. He did not deserve that as a 41-year-old. Um, but he was doing all of this, as we mentioned already, in the shadow of Willie Mays. And, and not the shadow it, of Clemente, know. right? I mean, was he really, was Clemente really that popular? Well, no. I mean, looking back, I mean, Clemente's popularity in part was based on the Great World Series of 71 and then his untimely death right afterwards. But I do remember um, Clemente usually won the gold glove. And, and I remember one time somebody said, the best right fielder in the National League, Roberto Clemente. And I thought, what the hell are they talking about? Have they forgotten who plays for Atlanta? I mean, maybe that's just a slight a kid remembers, but um, they were he was wrong. not playing in New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco. Um, the publicity then, of course, the Yankees were, were dominant through the first half of his, his career, and they had Mantle. Um, and then, you know, Mays was playing in New York, and then he was playing on the West Coast. Uh, the Dodgers were kind of dominant in the 60s with their pitchers. Um, when, when people want to talk about, you know, who's the best baseball player right now, he he usually didn't make the list. Uh, there were several other people that would. And part of it was playing in Milwaukee and playing in Atlanta, and part of it was his, his kind of low-key style. Um, he was quiet. He wasn't flashy. He was just consistent. And, you know, in many ways, this kind of leads us into the great moment of Hank Aaron's career. Right. But not only because he became the all-time home run king. Babe Ruth set a record I mean, when Babe Ruth retired, no one else was even in shouting. A sense. record that will never be broken was what I always heard as a kid. Um, I, mean, I mean, really, that's what they said. If you looked at the way people were hitting home runs, it made sense. Yeah, um, right up and through the 60s because he had over 700 and very few people very few people were even within 200 of him when they retired. Mm-hmm. You know, the low 500s was the most anybody had ever done up to that point. And it was really amazed that people first started saying, you know, this guy might have a shot at Ruth's record. Um, and then quietly coming along just, you know, a couple of years behind Mays, doing, having very similar numbers. Um, it turns out it was, I mean, Mays got over 600, the first guy to do that after Ruth. But um, Aaron caught him, um, and it, it became obvious, I don't know, a couple of years before he broke the record, hey, this guy could really do it. But it was it was fairly late. Um, it, well, in part because if you look at his record in 1971, um, which was Aaron's um, age 37 season, he hit 47 home runs, which you know all of a sudden starts to put him in the conversation. Before that, he's he's in his mid to late 30s, and he's still well over a hundred home runs away from Ruth. I don't think anybody was even thinking about it. It was really that year that got it going. Um, and then he hits 34 the next year, and then by 1973, um, he ends up hitting 40 home runs, which puts him only one short of the babe. So obviously by then, everybody yeah. knew it was going to happen. But uh, up until a couple of years before that, 
uh, I don't think it was on most people's radar screen. And we talked about this when we went over that season in our season review. Um, my other podcast, What Happened Today, I talked about Hank Aaron breaking the record before. So there are other places you can find on the Productive Leisure Network where this was talked about. But he got a ton of abuse. Oh, it was it was one of the uglier things ever, and it's really awful um, that you know people that said you know this is a white man's record, and he got all kinds of horrible racist abuse um, in the mail and in person, and in, and again he, he just showed the, the kind of grace and class he always had. He he was an outspoken guy. Now, now it's, it's not like Aaron was just going to say all oh, shucks. Um, yeah. He he was quite critical of that, and he could be a pretty forceful advocate. Um, against discrimination and he was both while he was a player and especially after he left um, but he wasn't somebody he, the, the way he handled it you know kind of quietly with a lot of dignity and just going about his business but it had to be just you know the most uh, it, it's, it can't even imagine what it must be like to play with death threats and that kind of ugly stuff said all the time and you know when Roger Maris was about to break Babe Ruth's other unbreakable all time record um, you know that you know it. He had all kinds of health issues, and it really um, was so hard for him. Aaron, it may have been at least as hard, and probably harder for Aaron because of all the racist crap. Um, but but he he never acted like this is this is ruining my life. It was these people are awful, but I'm going to show them. And man, did he! And the Braves opened that season on the road in Cincinnati, uh, and. Bowie Aaron sitting at seven thirteen at yeah. that point. Ruth's record seven fourteen. Bowie Coon said that Aaron had to play two games in that series because Bowie Coon is the worst commissioner in baseball history. He cannot convince now, me otherwise. Now, now that's saying something. Um, there've been a lot of bad commissioners, but yeah, he was a bad one. Uh, um, he handled that free series, agency I wrong so well. He had a home run in, on opening day uh, yeah. to tie Ruth. Um, and the Braves announced at that point, all right, he's not going to play the next two because we want him to break the record in Atlanta. Uh, and you're right. That's when the commissioner said, nope, he's got to play at least one of those games, which he did, did not hit a home run. But So he comes home to Atlanta for the home opener, uh, tied with Ruth. And uh, it was a national game because he could break the record. Right. It, it, was, w- it was broadcast it on national only. TV um, on a weeknight. Um, which did not happen back then. Again, it's hard for people your age to to imagine, but baseball simply was not televised um, on a national basis except once a week, one game out of all of baseball on a Saturday, and that was pretty much it. But this was such a big story. Yeah, the the national TV folks were there, Dodgers visiting Atlanta. He was facing Dodgers pitcher Al Downing in the fourth inning. And he hit By the way, the first inning, Aaron walks. (laughs) And he never swung the bat. He, he never got a pitch to hit. Um, and the crowd boos because they, they want to see him hit the home run. His second at bat in the fourth inning, um, it was actually the very first swing he makes in the game. And, of course, there it goes. Uh, and because the Dodgers were there, uh, I guess we should give some credit to Milo Hamilton calling the Braves game, but whatever. Uh, but Vin Scully immortalized it in the moment. By saying, what a marvelous moment for baseball, what a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia, what a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. 
Yeah. Vin was it's, the best. He really spe- was. Speaking of all-time legends with a lot of longevity. Um, Vin. Yeah, Vin Scully is the Hank Aaron of broadcasters, I guess. Um, but, you know. I, I, of course, didn't hear that. I didn't hear Milo Hamilton either because I was in my dorm room at college and, I, and, I, and we had a television and I was watching it on TV. So it was whoever the national broadcasters were. And at the moment, I can't remember who it was. I don't have it in uh, front of me and I don't care to look it up. Yeah, but I don't care enough uh, because or I would have. But. What I like about Vin Scully's call is that Aaron wasn't just a really good ball player. He wasn't just a guy who hit a lot of home runs. He did everything right. Yep. I mean, we talked about this already baseball-wise, but off the field, he was not showy, but he also didn't sort of retreat into his own corner. Yep. He was beloved by teammates throughout his career. Um, he also always. always had a good sense of humor. Uh, I remember when steroids became a topic of conversation. Uh, someone asked Hank Aaron if he knew of it. He said, well, they knew I wasn't juicing. People always tried to jump up and catch my home runs. They barely went over the wall. That's what he would <laughs> right. say. Um, it wasn't true, but it's a great line. And there are stories about him hitting home runs as a rookie that shortstops jumped for. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he just, he was class entirely. Yeah, um, class, dignity, grace. That's who the man was and still is. Um, unfortunately, you know, after I, the 1974 season, the Braves traded away Aaron to the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, and it was his request. He had loved Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Braves actually did need to start playing some of these young outfielders they had every day. Um, Aaron, by that time, he was he was a regular in 74 but that was the first year's production really tailed off and he didn't play every day um he he had a caddy rolling office who was his defensive replacement um in most every game um still it was a sad day for me when the braves traded away my hero hank aaron um, he played two more years in milwaukee uh, um not very well but they had the designated hitter rule by that time in the american league and that's what he did um, and the fans in Milwaukee loved him, so they were glad to have him back. But he came back to Atlanta and, you know, worked for the Braves for almost immediately much the rest of his career. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he no longer does because he's now in his. No, but he spent many teams. years, um, you know, in, in the Braves front office, not not as the general manager or anything. Although his brother-in-law, Bill Lucas, was the first African-American mm-hmm. general manager in Major League Baseball history. Um died unfortunately very early uh but but aaron always had a role in the front office particularly in evaluating young players um, and being and a community relation guy absolutely yep. he uh ended up owning a series of car dealerships in north <laughs> right. georgia he was very successful in his post baseball life um he also worked for the turner broadcast company and tbs for a while um I know this as a wrestling fan. He actually got um, Cowboy Bill Watts fired as the head of WCW because he found out that Cowboy said really, truly awful things about black wrestlers. I, I had no idea but about any of that. I wanted to bring that up because, I mean, a lot of athletes when they retire can rest back. And he yeah. wasn't there with the money boom, always, but he was the home run king. Always giving back, but always a, a, a strong, consistent voice 
to Major League Baseball, which has always been slow, so slow to really diversify and reach out to people of color. Um, and he, he was he was pretty adamant and a good, strong voice about how Major League Baseball needed to hire more black field managers, more black front office people. Um, and they were pretty slow to do it, but um, he, he never let up on that. And I do want to say, when Turner Field was built, they named it after Ted Turner because Ted still owned the team, and also he might be the most impactful person after Hank Aaron in the history of the Atlanta Braves. Um, yeah, that may be. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I was convinced they should have named the stadium But after what they Aaron. did was they made the address 755 Hank Aaron Drive. <laughs> right. Um, but do you know what that, the street number is for SunTrust Park? No. 755. Oh, I had um, not realized that. Also, uh, now that Georgia there is State... There's also a new statue of Aaron out at mm-hmm. SunTrust Park, which I have seen, and it's really very impressive. <laughs> it's it's much larger than life-size. And, and he's um, hitting off his front foot. That's what he does, yep. <laughs> they got it. I mean, it just nailed it. Um, I yep. do also want to say uh, Georgia State is going to build their new baseball park in what had most recently been a parking lot, but was Atlanta Fulton County Stadium next to Turner Field, which they have turned into their football stadium. And right. apparently they're going to keep the outfield wall, so it includes where Aaron's uh, record-breaking home run went. So, Oh, good. Because uh, that, people that, that remained there once they tore down the yes. stadium as part of the parking lot. Um, and what was it before it was Atlanta Fulton County Stadium? It, it was Piedmont Hospital, which was where I was born. Yes, there we go. They tore it down um, shortly before they built the stadium. So yes, I go way back with the Braves. And um, but you know, speaking of, uh, you know, I, I go way back to the start. But it, it continues. I've told you this, but I'll tell all of our many listeners out there. I finally met Hank Aaron for the first time just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. After him being, you know, my favorite player for all this time, um, he just happened to be at a reception. It was a reception honoring some people at the state bar building, and it was actually Justice Benham on the Georgia Supreme Court that he's apparently close to. Um, And so he came for that, and I saw him there, and I thought, oh, man, I'd love to talk to him. And I didn't have the nerve, but fortunately your mother and a couple other people that I was with encouraged me to go up and speak to him. So I did, and he could not have been more gracious and kind, and I told him about you know, being a fan 10 years old when he came to Atlanta and how much I enjoyed him and admired him. And he just could not have been more gracious and wonderful. So it just solidified everything I'd always thought about him. And that was just a couple of years ago. Um, and we've kind of ended this talking about Hank Aaron as a human being because he is a remarkable human being. But, you know, we're focusing mostly on players and we're going to keep an eye out on what the Braves are doing for the 2018 season. But I, I was thinking about this. Hank Aaron is indisputably the best Braves player of all time. Right. And the Braves have had some great all-time players. That's true. But we're talking about these prospects. And Ronald Acuna has torn up the minor leagues in the past. You were talking about the numbers Aaron put up as as a 19-year-old and a young right fielder. And, yes, of course, my mind immediately went to our current 19-year-old right fielder. Um, You know, people talk about... Acuna is close to can't miss, although enough people miss that you wonder why they say that. There's no such thing. But when people are being optimistic about Ronald Acuna, they think he might have a career half as long as Hank Aaron's, where his individual season-by-season numbers are like 75% of Aaron. 
and that I, would be I'd phenomenal. Take that in a I'd be thrilled. That would be amazing. Um, three quarters of Aaron's numbers in half the years, you'd have to consider right. that a success, wouldn't you? I mean, not just a success. That's a consistent all-star. Um, that, that's a great player. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting to think about. Could someone who is in the minors become the best Brave ever? And it is a mighty, <laughs> mighty steep hill to climb because Hank Aaron was the greatest. I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody him. will ever be the greatest Brave ever, other than the guy who currently holds the title. <laughs> I can't yes, imagine anybody something. else doing it. Of course, uh, his number forty-four was retired, but in some ways, his impact with that I think goes on in an interesting way because. Reggie Jackson was a right fielder, so he wore 44. Yeah. And Reggie Jackson's number is retired at multiple ballparks. Um, it's that interesting thing that this is the kind of career that has that sort of an impact. And I think we often can get lost when we talk about players as sort of, you know, what are they doing now? Where is it? But partly we do that because no one's going to be Hank Aaron again. I mean, it's maybe nobody's ever been that consistently great for that long before or since him. And you never want to say never about anything. But and some people say, "Oh, players don't play that long anymore. They don't care. They don't stay." That's not really true. There, some of the great players also have twenty-year careers. Um, But But, you got to be so great to begin with, and and then to keep it up that long—that's what just doesn't happen. But yeah, I mean, it's it's astonishing. And one of the things that, you know, we're going to go through, not quite yet, but we're getting to a lot of downturns. But the Braves were pretty good until Hank Aaron kind of fell off a little bit. Right. I mean, the yeah, first few teams the, the you Braves had some good. miserable years in Atlanta in the late 70s and then again in the late 80s. Um, and then again, <laughs> this decade we're in. Um, but as long as Hank Aaron was on the Braves, they were... They were a pretty good team. They won the division one time. Um, they, they weren't a great team, but they, they were competitive most years. And it was only shortly after he left that they sort of fell off the table. Uh, but we're going to talk about the superstar that hung around after Hank Aaron was gone and then hung around even more um, because we are going to go on to Phil Necro. Um, and part of why I want to do this is that I am pushing Rico Cardi off because if we get bad news on the current state of the Braves in the next week, I get Phil Necro to talk to you about. Um, okay. But also I think, you know. I'd love to talk about Nuxie. I'll look forward to that Necro one is not the same so level. Speaking of, of long, consistent right. careers. He's not the same level of pitcher that Aaron was as a hitter, but no. they were the pillars of Atlanta the longevity and consistency and is comparable. It's not at quite it. the same level. Yeah. And yeah, Necro. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll save it. But uh, my favorite Braves pitcher of all time. So yeah. Then we're going to get into weirdness after that. Although Necro is weirdness in and of himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But that's certainly what we're going to do. We're hoping that we don't have bad news to talk about. But that might, depending on what happens. We might have to push that off. Well, we'll see. I would um, like not to. I would like to push out a podcast. The news comes and we wait a week and most of everything's settled and everything's been said and we can do what we're doing. 
which is going over lots we of We don't control any of that, though. We'll nope. just have to see what happens sometime um, in the next few days or week. And whenever it happens, we will, of course, talk about it right here on the Channel 17 podcast, the weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast, brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network. You can listen to every single one of our episodes throughout this off-season journey, and even ours last season with seasons in Braves history, at ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening to us on either of those platforms, please leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe. You can also uh, go to Patreon.com slash ProductiveLeisure and become one of our patrons. Patreon is a crowdfunding site that allows patrons to give small monthly contributions for ongoing creative work. So if you want to help us out, again, please go to patreon.com slash Productive Leisure. And you can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you next week.